Well, welcome to the Situation Report. It's Monday, February 26th. And this is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. And that was Sammy Hagar, Eagles Fly. Love that song. I uh, I haven't listened to that for a while. <clears throat> and I was down, at, down by Luke Air Force Base over the weekend and saw a couple of F-22s take off. I'm like, yeah, that would be a good song to play on the sit rep on Monday. I think I'll do that. So here we are. Well, it's official. The world saved. Jacob Rothschild passed away. And uh, now all the evil's gone. Just one dude. Nothing to see here. What's going to be interesting about the uh, the Jacob Rothschild death is how they put him in the ground. That the Royal Guards were were on horseback today, which should be interesting. And it, the conjecture's already coming out. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of it. Which is funny because, you know, I love the, I love the, the conspiracy community because it could be perfectly innocuous and they will find some kind of a conspiracy around it. I, I, I will tell you this, that guy's soul is not coming back. He's done one and done. And if you, it, it, you can't. You literally can't do that kind of evil and expect, yeah, you just can't expect to come back. Guy's just pure evil. And what's interesting is the just the amount of coverage it got this morning and then it just died off. And, you know, when I watch social media, I don't look at social media with the aspect of what's the current thing. I'm looking at social media to see where everybody's head's pointed. And right now, there's a lot of bigger things going on besides the Rothschild death. While that's a big deal, let's see how the tectonic plates shift now that he's gone. But he was in his 80s, which means he's probably handed off the reins to somebody else years ago and has been living quietly in the background. So I I don't see there being a, a tectonic shift, but you never know. And then... I got inundated over the weekend, variety of topics. So I want to address a couple of them. One of them is Trump's mentioning of his uncle in several of his campaign stops. I don't listen to it. I don't care because it's just words on the on the political trail. And if you're hanging on every word, you're paying you're paying way too much attention to the wrong thing. Until someone's arrested until Trump's in put in office or there's some kind of a shift in the DC political structure. It's just words. It's narrative. And I don't, I just pay attention to the narrative for what the narrative is and which way they're trying to take the narrative. I don't care about the renter in the white house. I never have. And I never will. I didn't care about Trump in the white house because Vladimir Putin said the quiet part out loud when he said that the president doesn't control the country. The deep state officials that run the agencies set policy and control the country. And he used Bill Clinton as an example for that. I would I would think that would resonate with everybody because that's the quiet part. That's the part none of us are listening to. And that's signal. Just like former FBI agents coming out and saying the real threat is China. It's not, it's not 
just these immigrants coming in, these illegals coming in. It's China. And you notice how nobody's talking about what China's doing right now. No one. No one in D.C. No one in the establishment. No one in alternative media. Everybody's looking at Ukraine. Everybody's looking at what's going on with Biden. Everybody's looking at what's going on in the election. But nobody's looking at China. The only guy that's paying attention, well, there's only two guys that are paying attention to what China's doing. That's Lawrence Sellen and Michael Yan. Everybody else, back to business as usual. And that, to me, is signal what's going on in China. Just like NATO is adding more and more countries to the NATO roster. They just added Sweden today, which for years and years and years, Sweden wasn't part uh, it's either Sweden or Switzerland, I can't remember which one it was, was added to the NATO roster today. They voted on it this morning, which you would think that that would make, that would make national news and would make people pay attention. Not so much. And all that signal. Because Putin has said, if Ukraine is added to NATO, that's a red line. And that red line will not be crossed. And that's, that's not narrative. That is, this is an existential crisis for the Russians. They can't have NATO on their doorstep. We signed treaties after the, the wall came down saying that we wouldn't build any, any bases. We wouldn't encroach on Russian territory. We wouldn't move into, into Russian territory. And what, what was the first thing we do? Came out in the Washington Post of all places that the CIA had several bases built within Ukraine and conducted a covert war against Russia from 2014 on. Yeah, we crossed the red line. So now Russia said, if you cross the red line and add Ukraine to NATO, nuclear war. And these guys are crazy enough to do it. I mean, think about it. They don't have, well, we just don't have the ability to fight the Russians. And they have the, the elite have nothing left to lose. You have to, I, I, and, and I think about it this way. The elite think that if I'm going down, I'll take everybody with me. And that's exactly, it's a death cult anyway. So for them, it's a win-win. All of this is happening real time. All of this is signal. The rest of it is white noise. What Trump says on the camp tra campaign trail, don't care. What Lake says on the campaign trail, don't care. I know there's a primary here in Arizona next week, and and maybe, maybe it's tomorrow. The, the The bottom line is, I'm only paying attention to to, to a, a very few things right now. What NATO's doing overtly to Russia? What's going on in Ukraine? What's happening with the vaccine disclosures? And then, what's going on? with some of the court cases that are going up in front of the Supreme Court. Notice how we didn't hear anything from the Supreme Court about uh, whether Trump can be on the ballot or not. Maybe they ruled on it. I just haven't seen it. So if somebody's seen the ruling on Trump being removed from the ballot, it would be good to see that if there's a ruling on it. But I haven't seen it. And it's funny how the mainstream media is silent about it. But where I'm going with this, is very, very straightforward. I only pay attention to the things that I consider signal. 
I don't consider Trump rallies or any of the political rallies. None of that signal. Just like who's the VP pick? Who cares? It's too early in the season to pick a VP. And if Trump is stupid enough to pick Tulsi Gabbard, he gets what he chooses. If he's stupid enough to pick Vivek, then he gets what he chooses. And he's surrounded by dipshits. And, and I'm not saying this from, from an observation. I'm, I'm basing this off of my experience with the Trump people that were involved in the, in the Lake camp during the 22 election. Literally, they knew the election was going to be contested. They knew it. They, they absolutely knew it. And I tried to tell Kerry Lake's team before the election, don't count on this being a straight-up count. They're going to cheat. They've already told us they're going to cheat. They've already told us that it's going to take them a significant amount of time to count the ballots at the MTech. Their plan was literally to overwhelm the polling stations with voters and outvote them. That's not real when the people controlling the counting are the ones that don't want you to win. And I told her, you need to, you need to retain your staff for a couple of days after the election. And you need, and they called me on election day and said, well, what should we do? I'm like, you need to file an injunction before noon or you're going to get screwed. And they filed an injunction at four o'clock and guess what? They got screwed. So they should have had the injunction already set up and written before the election. I told them to do that. I told them to have people on staff after the election so they could organize a war room and do the legal battle against the state. And what did they do? Nothing. They hired a lawyer that did the worst litigation I've ever seen in my life. It was a clown show. And the reason why they let the staff go is because Trump, Trump's people put a Trump person on her staff that was running the staff. And the day of the election, she let everybody go. Does that sound like he's surrounded by smart people? Or is that, does that sound like he's surrounded by short, short-sighted, egotistical morons? Because that was the stupidest thing I have ever, ever seen. And now she's running for Senate. Okay, let's do some basic math. If the first time you ran, they screwed you over in both the primary and the election, what do you think the odds are they're going to screw you over in this primary and in this election? Chances are it's pretty high. If the probability was high, 100% they did it before, so it's probably 100% they're going to do it again. And we still haven't fixed the county, the county situation. We still haven't gotten rid of the machines. Nobody in Arizona politics seems to want to do anything different, especially Ben Toma. And then you have Wendy Rogers, the shameless opportunist. I don't see this working out well. And you could sit there and say everybody needs to get out and vote. Okay, if we make it that far, you're probably right. We should all get out there and overwhelm the voting so they can't cheat. But the end state's still the same. This is still going to go kinetic after this one. If we even get there, I think it's going to go kinetic long before that. And I think it's going to go kinetic because people are done. They're watching their taxes go above 50% for the first time in American history. 
they're seeing the cost of living go beyond their their means. They're seeing every agency in the government's weaponized against them. And now there's this O'Keefe video that talks about the IRS going after the little people. I don't know how much more evidence Americans need to see that their government does not represent them anymore. And we're still hanging on to this old system like we're going to reform things through the old system. Brent Weinstein was right when he was on Tucker's show last week. I think we've passed the culmination point and Western civilization's already collapsed, but people just haven't caught up. I would agree. I did a whole show back in March about the fact that we've passed the culmination point and most people are still operating in the old system and the old system's dead. You can't reform it. The question is, when are people going to wake up to that? And who knows? Because I, I see people right here in my neighborhood. In fact, <clears throat> yesterday, one of the, uh, the precinct captain for LD3 was walking by my house as I went outside to pick up a package and we struck up a conversation. Great guy, by the way, lives in my neighborhood. And he's like, I could use some help on the LD chair. I'm like, I'll help out, man. Just let's have a conversation. He goes, well, I'll come over in midweek and we'll have a conversation. I said, I'm, I'm, I'll help you any way I can. And, you know, before that, I wouldn't have done it. But knowing that the, the LD captains in my neighborhood, yeah, there's some, there's some good mileage there. And that sphere of influence that I can't, I just can't replace that. That's, that's unbelievable sphere of influence in line of sight. This guy has sight on everybody in the political spectrum. He's got sight in everybody in this district. He knows everybody in the neighborhood, even people I don't know, is willing to walk around with me and introduce me to everybody in the neighborhood that he knows. He knows everybody that's a flaming liberal and everybody that's a conservative. That's that's some good line of sight right there. And, and I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And you meet people for a reason. And I, I agree that, uh, and I think that he... He happened by my house for a reason. And it's funny how that works, but the, the opportune time for me to just walk outside and this guy's there, it's one in a million. But the point is, the old system is dead. And the old system needs to die. The, the, the debt slavery structure that we've lived under for so long needs to die. The, the amount of wealth that a very small group of people have accumulated at the behest of the rest of the planet needs to be fixed. Just like we need to fix that. We have this, this class of elite that their kids go to the best schools, their family lines stay in power, and nobody else is allowed to, to rise above the glass ceiling. We need to we need to shatter the glass ceiling and we need to change the way we operate, which is why I talked about you have to have a vision of what kind of a country you want to live in. Because while we're rebuilding the system, we're going to have to deal with the effects of these covid vaccines and we're going to have to hold those, the, the everybody that was involved has to be held accountable. Anybody who took the money, anybody who pushed the jab. Anybody in the pharmaceutical industry that knew there was a problem and didn't say anything, everybody that was complicit goes to prison. Every single one of them. We have to completely reform the system. And <clears throat> that brings me to 
the black swan. I, I have had probably 100 conversations in the last week about the black swan event. And the thing that I, I want to caution everybody against is planning around some kind of a black swan. Because there's no way to know for sure if if that's actually going to happen. Signs point to it. The elite are desperate. I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching the situation with the elite in DC, and everything they try to do, every narrative they try to start, is completely disrupted by alternative media, and I. I underestimated the power of alternative media a year and a half ago. And now I'm, I, I look at the, the Nielsen ratings and the Nielsen numbers for all of the mainstream media. They can't even draw a million people to CNN or to MSDNC. These are hardcore. 720,000 is all they can draw to racial Maddow shows. And some of them are in the 300,000. This is a country of 330 million. Tucker Carlson's interview with with Vladimir Putin drew 330 million, last I checked, views. And mainstream media can't even draw 700,000. They are, and I've said this before, I've said this for almost a year now. They lost the social and cultural narratives and they are desperate to get it back. They are desperate to drive people back to mainstream, to drive people back to the mediums they know they have complete control over. And they've completely overlooked the fact that most of the public, I'm going to say over 90%, does not trust the elite, does not trust the politicians, and does not trust mainstream media at all. They don't trust the message. They don't trust anything coming out of the mainstream media. And they don't trust the intent. That is the social and cultural narratives gone that they will never get back. And the, the, the piece that you should zero in on is how desperate they are to get people just to pay attention. They say some outlandish things. And they, they want to blame Trump for everything. Why? Because it worked. I mean, Trump's been out of office for three years, and they're still blaming him for the economy, for the environmental, everything they can blame him for. And it's not working. COVID narrative, not working. And now more and more people are starting to ask the question about why is it that a guy like Bill Gates destroyed the education system, then he weaponized the pharma system, and now he's in food production? Why is he in food production? And then today, Microsoft literally went on, on the air and said, we're going to disable machines of those who are pushing misinformation or disinformation. And nobody in the press asked the question, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to use AI. Okay, so we're going to use AI. Well, last I checked, Microsoft was not an intelligence agency. Last I checked, Microsoft could not spy on American citizens under U.S. Title 10 and U.S. Title 50. And oh, by the way, it's illegal to put a payload on somebody's private machine 
That's called hacking, which is illegal to browse not only their content, but browse their files. And you're going to do this how? And they're open about it. That should tell you how desperate they are. They're rolling out every resource they can think to control the narrative for the election. Not going to work. And I guarantee you, if they steal this election, civil war. The gloves are coming off. Because you're seeing more and more evidence that the entire Washington, D.C. establishment and all of the agencies are communists. And people are finally starting to see it. Finally. And once we get to that place, you're not going to be kicking doors. You're, you're not going to be you're not going to be running down your neighbors. It's going to be chaos for the first couple of weeks, and then the battle lines will be drawn. But I can tell you that the topics that we're going to talk about on Wednesday, we're going to talk about gear because I got hit with gear all weekend. We're going to talk about supplies, firearms, et cetera. And by the way, um, there was a comment on, um, uh, let's see, it was on the, who sent it to me? Yeah, so T2207, I talked to, I have direct comms with Terrence Pop. I talked to him today. I actually sent him email. We traded emails today. I'm going to try and have him on the Wednesday show to talk about, you know, what gear you should have. I mean, he's former SF first sergeant. Why, why wouldn't I have the guy on? Hello. Um, sorry, special forces. And uh, we're going to talk about gear this weekend. Matt Matt Bracken sent me a long email about body armor. So it's it's time to have that conversation. What stuff should you have? What stuff shouldn't you have? And look, I'm going to talk to this from my perspective i'm not talking to this as what you should what you could what you might what you want what you don't want i'm going to talk about this is what i'm going to do and then you can make you can form your own decisions around that but now's the time to have that since we we literally are on the the edge of the event horizon if not on the event horizon and they're going to do something they have to they don't have a replacement for poopy pants. They don't want to put camel toe in office. They don't want to, they don't want to replace them and they can't replace them with Gavin. Everybody's outed the Obamas now. They're the out, the Obamas have been outed. So is John Brennan. They have a real situation on their hands. And I've seen several things from an economic perspective that lead me to believe there's a couple of things that are that are in flight right now. One of them is all the elite and billionaires are selling off shares of their stock and dumping shares of their stock, which we knew they were going to do anyway. But the last time they did this was before the 2008 crash and a bunch of them sold off stock. Warren Buffett's got a pile of cash. So they know something's coming is where I'm going with this. And it aligns with, and if you, if you, Go back, I think it was 2008, the last crash. They all sold four weeks before the crash. So if you use the same math, again, basic math, four weeks from now is what? It's the end of March, the beginning of April. What's on April 8th? 
a lunar or solar eclipse. They love to use symbolism. They love to use dates. They want to make all of those special events satanic. I hate to say it, but sure lines up with that solar uh, that solar eclipse. It's funny how that works. But who knows? I could be wrong, and I hope I am. I hope that it's a big nothing burger and nothing happens. But you need to be ready for everything, so this week's a good week to talk about gear. And I haven't confirmed that uh, – that, uh, uh, Terrence is going to be on the show, but I, I'll, I'll follow up with him tomorrow, see if I can uh, pin him down. But, uh, yeah, he wants me to come on the show, too, so I'm going to go on his show. Don't have dates for that yet, but we're working it. So, um, and the other thing is I'm, I'm, I've am i got a couple other interesting invites for a couple other shows, so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what shows up in the next couple of weeks. But it's been, you know, it's, in full transparency, I hate doing this. I've hated doing this since I started doing it three years ago. This is not what I want to be doing with my life. And I've, I've had friends urge me. I've had family members urge me. I've had, you know, military friends urge me to keep doing this. And, and I'm not saying I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying that this is not something I relish to do. I don't want to be in the, I don't like being in the public public eye. This is not. It's not my forte. And I, I'd love to be, you know, when I retired, I just quietly retired. I didn't do a big ceremony. I didn't do a bunch of BS. I had dinner with the guys that I cared about. I had uh, uh, my staff uh, from from my last command. I had my staff and we had just a quiet dinner and it was it was fantastic. And And that's how I'd like to live my life. And so the, a lot of this um, notoriety and this, the other things that go with that, it's, it's not my forte. So um, where I'm going with this is I've been asked to go on some shows that would, let's just say, enhance my audience greatly, and I'm milling it over. So we'll see. But I appreciate all the kind words. I really do. I, I got a lot of really nice, a lot of nice things said over the weekend. A lot of good feedback about the last um, roundtable, and I'm glad you guys like that format because I I love that format because it's not me talking all the time. We've got experts around the table, you know. You've got uh, Colonel Conrad, who's the voice of reason, which I like. He's he's a he's a measured thinker. You got Colonel Johnson, measured thinker. Um, Troop and I are kind of in the same wheelhouse. We we uh, we have our our sticks that we're really really good at. And, you know, Matt's kind of a, he's a, he's a jack of all trades. He's, you know, former SEAL. So he's got the Navy, he's got the Navy military background. He's a student of history. So he brings a lot of history to the table and he's an author. So he's been in the public space for a long time. And just that, just that mix. And when Colonel Piper could show up, you know, he's got the Intel background. So it's a rounded out crew and, I'm trying, I want to add a few more bodies to it. So it's really a rotation every week. So it's a different group every single week because the dynamics change every week. And that keeps the, the content very, very, um, keeps it very um, unique, which I like. Uh, no, granted, I don't. I, I can't, I can't stand it. Nice try. Um, but anyway, that, that's the intent. And uh, I, I'm fortunate to have a bunch of guys 
um, around me that, that do this and volunteer their time to do the, the round table. That's, that's an amazing thing. And all these guys found me, I didn't find them. So it, it was, that to me tells me that this all was come together for the right reasons. And, and that's why I want to leave it where it's at. Um, anyway, where I'm going with this is, um, don't be surprised if uh, I'm on a couple of shows that are that are pretty well known in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked to get asked, but and, you know, anyway, still I'm still thinking about it. But appreciate the kind words. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk through today is a lot of people are hung up on what's going on in Antarctica, and uh, Vasilius um, posted some posted uh, his view of what's going on in Antarctica in a Substack, and I think I'll, I think I, I think I still have that up. My my thought process around it is I don't know. I honestly do not know what's going on in Antarctica. I wish I did, and. I don't know why the elite keep going down there at all times. I don't know what's down there. I'm not. I'm not gonna. <clears throat> I'm not gonna guess. Um, I just posted Vasilius's Substack in uh, in the comments on the on the Rumble uh, Rumble channel. Um, I, I don't pay attention to it because I don't know what's going on down there, and whatever is down there, whether it's aliens, whether it's breakaway civilization, whether it's research, I I don't know. But I, I view Antarctica the same way I view um, some of the stuff we did with Space Launch. When we, so I don't know if everybody knows this, but um, in the 90s and early 2000s, we set up what's called Sea Launch. So we built launch platforms in the middle of the Pacific, literally in the middle of the Pacific. And what a great place to do testing, R&D, and covert launches than in the middle of the ocean. Is it challenging to build a missile up on the pad out there? Yeah. Is it challenging to keep the, the missile um, or the rocket to keep it stable when it's when it's on the ocean? Yeah. But the benefits outweigh the risks and the cost because you can launch it in complete secret and nobody would even know where who launched it or where it came from. And I view Antarctica the same way. There, whatever's down there is probably very covert and very closely guarded. And we may never know the truth, despite our best efforts. We may never know what's really, really going on there. So I don't give it a lot of thought because it's it's like the it's like the nuclear exchange. People worry about a nuclear exchange. And my answer to that is, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. You're not going to know the bombs are on the way until they're hitting the ground. So why worry about it? It's not something you can you can influence. It's not something you can you can be aware of when it happens. And it's not something you can change even if you had influence into it. So why worry about it? The same way I view the whole Antarctica thing. And but and trust me, I had a bunch of questions about it over the weekend. I don't know where they came from, but it, you know. You know, it's it's fun to poke holes at it, right? And say it's all aliens and there's an alien civilization that's underground. Of course, it's fun to do that, right? But nobody really knows what the deal is. And I, and I wished I did because it'd be great to be in the know. But I can tell you from being in classified environments, sometimes you don't want to know what's going on. 
sometimes you hear what's really going you're really going on you're like i wish i didn't know that and i could say that about a number of different projects and programs i was on i wish i didn't know that shit but it is what it is and i don't worry about it i i do pay attention though to what they're spinning across all of the social media and i do pay attention to what they're trying to gaslight the public with and i don't know if if everybody's seen it now but there's this huge push and it started in europe about three weeks ago this massive push to accept pedophilia and they're trying to reinforce it with they're trying to reinforce it with um ai and with movies and with um with um, tv series and um online shows and i was i was shocked at how much is out there now just like the cannibalism thing when was the last time you ever heard in your lifetime a newscaster any kind of a politician any kind of a food producer or anyone in the marketing industry say we need to start eating human flesh because it's good for the environment I have never heard that in my entire life. And now it is a full court press to get people to accept it. That's the narrative I'm paying attention to because it shows me just how abjectly evil these people are. And it's in your face now. I, it's amazing how much this stuff is in our face and people don't even realize it. In fact, here's the homework for, for the weekend. Go back to the movie Fury with Brad Pitt and Shay LeBeau and just listen to the whole movie. Just listen to the dialogue and you will hear a number of references to both cannibalism and a variety of other of these social topics. And this is back in 2014 that this movie came out. So this has been predictive programming and this has been programming in the public space in a very subliminal way for almost 10 years. But now it's a full court press. And most importantly, it's a full court press that is being pushed across every platform with AI. It's, it's interesting. And to answer the question about why now, I don't know why now, other than it's a distraction. That's the only thing I can think of is that the Antarctica thing is just a distraction. Like the UFO stuff is a distraction. Look, you're going to know if UFOs exist when they are hovering over the white house or they're hovering over some part of the U S or some part of the world until then it's going to be misinformation. And there's a ton of it. Yeah. The tank movie. Well, I'm not telling you to watch the acting and to rate the movie. I'm telling you to just, Listen to the dialogue. The other one to go listen to, if, to see exactly what I'm talking about, is go watch one episode of season two or season three of The Rookie. My God, it is absolutely a libtard smorgasbord of stupid. Every scene, every single line in the show is some liberal talking point. It was, I mean, I'm a Nathan, Nathan Fillion fan, and it, my God, it's so bad that even the first minute, I'm like, just stop talking. My God, 
just your the just the stupid conversation around, you know, women's rights related to being a police officer and being pregnant. We got it. God, we got it. But that's how bad it's gotten. And it's only been they've stacked more and more of this this narrative into everything that we see. And that's the other piece of this. That's the the tell in this is the fact that the public's tuning out. More and more people are tuning out away from all of these programs and all this programming. The other thing that people are starting to realize, and this is funny because it's a book, Christian buddy of mine said to me over the weekend, he called me about gun stuff, I think. And he said, he's like, why is it that every show I watch, everybody on the show is gay? I'm like, that's the new narrative. I said, I don't know if you, if you go back to the 70s, everybody in the 70s, clean cut, crew cuts, wearing a suit and tie. Dialogue was very clean, very nuclear family oriented. And now it's, it's on the opposite end of this, the spectrum. So that's the stuff I'm watching. And for that reason, to see what they're pushing, what's being accepted by the public. Because the, the proof and the pudding in this and how effective their operations are is how many people in public are talking about it um, outside of their home and how many people are having those conversations at dinner. And I was at dinner two nights ago and the people around us, everyone to the person was talking about how expensive it is to live and that they don't go out for dinner anymore. They don't, they don't do a lot of entertainment, literally all six tables around us. It was amazing. And the other thing they talked about was, well, they talked about the, the president's speech. He gave some speech where I guess he had a massive brain fart, but they were talking about that. And they were talking about the, the situation that's in uh, that this girl that got killed on a uh, nursing student that got killed. But I, I was, I clicked cued in on the financial discussion because it shows you how effective the narratives used to be versus where they are now. If you go back to 9-11, I know most people weren't alive for 9-11, but when you go back to 9-11, I can tell you that after 9-11, the, the narratives were so effective that people didn't even question going into Iraq. And now with this conversation around what's going on in Gaza and Kid Rock's comments about what's going on in Gaza, first of all, his comments were horrifying because he's literally saying, I would kill 30 or 40,000 civilians, women and children, to free Israeli hostages. Okay, I draw the line at genocide, and that's just downright fucking genocide. Call me an anti-Semite. I don't care. It's, it's absolute genocide. And to say that it's okay and that you would kill 30 or 40,000, look, and let me be very transparent about this. When an American soldier got killed, especially an American soldier in the task force I was assigned to got killed, you want to bomb neighborhoods. 
you drive through the same area every single day and you get shot at or jacked up every single day and nobody sees anything. Nobody knows who was in the neighborhood. Trust me, you want some payback. You want to bomb entire neighborhoods. But you refrain from doing that because the people that are in those neighborhoods don't have the resources to leave. And we're talking about a population of people that have lived in an open air prison for over 20, 30 years. And they're moving them around the country, telling them where the safe areas are, and then bombing them when they get to the safe area. So no, it's not okay to bomb 30 or 40,000 people for a couple of hundred hostages. You cease fire and negotiate. And then if you resume hostilities, you resume hostilities. But you make damn sure that you limit collateral damage and fratricide. And the fact that this is mainstream and nobody's saying anything about it except for Doug McGregor and uh, a few others is reprehensible. That narrative to me is shocking, that it is completely okay with the rest of the planet. They, they are literally systematically killing an entire population. That is the craziness. And that tells me that Western society has collapsed. Because we have a moral obligation and treaties that say we will not allow genocide after World War II. We signed treaties to that effect. And the fact that we're dancing around the term genocide while it's occurring in front of us, reprehensible. And it tells me that we don't longer fight for moral reasons. We fight for political reasons. That tells me our system is dead. And it needs to die if that's the case. And we need to build something out of the ashes. You know, the, the quintessential event from last week that most people missed is that I think it was the Washington Post, maybe it was Washington Times, the letter that was sent to MI6 by John Brennan and Barack Obama asking them to spy on the Trump camp and use five eyes to spy on Trump and interdict his entire campaign is treason. And it was published in black and white for all to see and throws them both under the bus and nobody said a word about it. It's just like the genocide going on. No one said a word about it. No one's doing anything about it. That's treason. And it tells me that our society and our moral compass is so far off, we can't even find the parking lot. So the system has to die. When it dies, who knows? But it's to me, it's already dead. Why all of this matters is that most people are wrapped up with what Taylor Swift is wearing or what she's singing on stage or what NFL team's doing good or what NBA team or what NHL team. They're not paying attention to the signal. And the signal is all of these key events are happening right now in front of us. All of these indicators that the things that we've believed were conspiracy for so long are actually true. What happens tomorrow if the Washington Times or the Washington Post comes out and says that the Obama's kids are not their kids and those are two men? That's a tectonic shift 
in reporting. And everybody's talking about, I don't see this stuff showing up in the mainstream media. Well, what if it does? Would you believe it? And the answer is no, you wouldn't. Most people wouldn't believe it. That tells me we're past the culmination point. And Brent Weinstein was right. He was completely right. And I thought, I've thought that for over a year. So that leads me to the place where on Wednesday we talk through what's it going to look like, what stuff should you have, and what should you, what should you be looking for. Because I, I firmly believe that all of these events are going to happen all in close proximity to one another. We're going to have to be dealing with an economic collapse, some kind of a major event, all of these illegals. And by the way, I need to dispel something while I'm thinking about it. So there's a video that's floating around. I think it's posted. Somebody posted on my channel. I'm the wife of a gun owner or a, a, my husband owns a gun shop. And there's an exception for illegals. That is complete horseshit. I have not seen anything from the ATF that says there's an exemption for illegals to buy firearms. It's right on the 4473. When you purchase a firearm, are you from a foreign country? Are you escaping justice? I mean, I always wonder if people say yes to that shit. But the truth of the matter is, I haven't seen anything from the ATF. And I get alerts from the ATF all the time about gun shops being being robbed or guns gone missing. I get those alerts all the time. I would think something this big, they would send out a notification to all firearms dealers that there's an exception. And I don't see that. In fact, I haven't seen anything other than the pistol brace um, issue was resolved, as, as well as the ammunition issue in California. So that video is horseshit. If somebody if somebody's seen the ATF guidance on that, I'd sure like to see it. Because I called my ATF, my ATF rep here, and said, "Is, is there an exception for illegals? Not that I know of." So. That's the other thing is that there's a lot of AI driven videos out there that are complete BS. And it's amazing how many people are, how many people are falling for that. So that's not how this works, Jester. That's not how this shit works. Your ATF agent doesn't come to your house and say, yo, man. This dude's going to show up, just sell him a firearm. He's okay. I vouch for him. They don't work that way. There's a very specific way you have to, per the very specific process for purchasing a firearm. Let me tell you how that works for me. So I got a lower receiver in the mail out of the blue that somebody had purchased from Arrow Precision online and Arrow sent it to my house and, or sent it to my, sent it to my business. And it shows up. And I'm like, where's this from? So I had to look at the paperwork to figure out who ordered it. And then I had to call Arrow Precision to figure out why it came to me. And then I reached out to this guy and lo and behold, I say, this is the process. If you send me your ID, I'll fill out the form, but you still have to answer the questions. You still have to pass a background check, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the time when you walk into a gun store, you fill out a form, the 4473, you fill it out right there. You give them your name, your ID, and everything else. You verify your address. They run a background check. 
and you either get a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a, a hold status. If you get a hold status, they hold the gun for three days. And if the ATF doesn't come back and say, take it, then you're free to go. But if they come, the ATF comes back later, you forfeit the gun and so does the gun owner. So there's no there's no going around that process. I run background checks. I check your ID. And that is that is not negotiable. It's immutable. You show up, you do the paperwork, you pass the background check, you walk out with the firearm if there's not a waiting period in your state. And I have seen no guidance and I've looked, I've seen no guidance about any exceptions for for illegals or non-US citizens. So if you're seeing that, it's a bunch of BS. And if somebody can show me where the reference is in the ATF website, the regulations, hey, I'll eat crow. But I'm in that business and I've heard nothing and seen nothing. So like I said, this, this is one of those narratives that is propagated. It's like everything else, right? It takes It takes longer to unwind it than it does for it to get passed around the internet like wildfire it's amazing how stupid it is but it that shows you the power this is why i watch the narrative and i don't watch the politics and i don't watch the re, the you know the overall uh reaction other than how much is the public buying of it and that that brings me to um the the bitcoin thing this week there was a so quietly in the background for the past year, and I'm not a financial guy. Quietly in the background for the last year, JP Morgan is buying gold, silver, and they've been doing this for several years, gold, silver. Now they're buying Bitcoin. They've been buying Bitcoin. And this week they came out and basically said, you need to sell sell back your Bitcoin to us so we can control it. And of course the market went, yeah, we're not doing that. But it shows you that the public's not buying into these narratives anymore. But it's amazing what people do buy into. And these videos, to me, TikTok is the most dangerous fucking platform on this planet. I don't know why anybody puts them. First, I don't know why you put it on your phone. Let me just tell you, for all you people using TikTok, the Chinese have all your shit. They have your passwords. They have your bank accounts. They have every piece of correspondence. They have every text message. When you load TikTok onto your phone, you're loading a keylogger that sends everything that you type back to China. And you don't think they're paying attention to that? Just let me give you another statistic. Just this year alone, I have seen more identity theft and more fraud-laced um, social engineering than I have ever seen in my career. And people are falling for it every single day. The number of phishing attacks has gone up almost 90% in the last month. In fact, every single day, I get something trying somebody trying to spoof my bank and trying to get my credit card through some bogus fraud alert and it's amazing how easy it is to debunk those if you just call your bank so i i have a hard and fast rule when it comes to dealing with banks because banks are the highest value targets on the planet for anybody in cyberspace because you, you can take money from a bank. They have no mechanism to take it back. 
and they write down millions of dollars every year from fraud. Credit card charges, write downs, write backs to credit cards, ATM debit card theft, ATM debit card fraudulent charges. They write down millions every single year. It's baked into their budget. And they make it a hard and fast rule. They either send you paper in the mail or you get some kind of a text alert and then you call your bank. I never call the number in the text. I always call my bank on their on their primary number, which if you don't know, you should have written down in your house somewhere. You call that number and you call your bank that you know it's a verified number to the bank that you bank with. Because there's this new scam, and I got hit with it this morning, and it's probably the seventh or eighth time just in the last month I've been hit been hit with this scam. I get a fraud alert. That's a text message. Doesn't look quite right. Then I get followed up with a phone. And the phone looks like my bank. The number comes across as if it's my bank. And I know it's not because my bank doesn't call me. In fact, they have a very, very prominent message on their website that says, we will never call you. We want you to call us and verify these charges every single time. And anyway, so I didn't answer the phone. I called my bank. Bank says, no, we haven't issued any fraud, fraudulent uh, or any fraud messages. So we went through all my accounts, looked at, looked at all the charges. Everything turned out fine. But the point is, with all of these different social media platforms that are out there, especially TikTok, you have no idea where your information's going. It could go to the dark web. It could go to China. It could go to the U.S., the dark web, and China. But once you load that on your machine, it's in the terms of service. It tells you that we are loading a, a keystroke logger, and we're sending all your data over, overseas. It's right there in the terms of service. And I don't know if everybody caught it, but every online company and entity has updated their terms of service in the last four months. And oh, by the way, if you use Facebook, Facebook has extended the legality of harvesting data from your browser and your machine to the absolute limit of legality. They are just as bad, if not worse, than TikTok. And every platform that Facebook owns, so Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and a host of others that they've purchased that you take for granted, like Microsoft. If you still use Skype, Microsoft owns Skype. And everything that you do on Skype goes back to Microsoft. It's in the terms of service. You know those terms of service, do you click, click, click through? I don't know why anybody uses that. I don't have any social media other than, than Telegram on my, on my phone. That's it. Everything else I do through a browser, and usually I do it through a private browser. And that's... That's not even safe. So I limit the amount of exposure that I have to a lot of these platforms because I'm seeing the rampant rise in social engineering and fraud and man, you name it. I've seen phishing, smishing, everything you can think of in the last couple of months. It's crazy. All of that <clears throat> affects what you see. The algorithms align to what you watch on, on both TikTok and on Twitter 
and on Instagram and on Facebook, the algorithms align what you're browsing with. It's all driven by AI. So you're seeing all of these things line up so that they can influence you. And that's that's what I'm watching. I'm watching to see what those trends are. Because this conversation, most of you are over over 40. The folks, the, the, the folks that are under 20, they're all in TikTok. Every last one of them are in TikTok. They're sending information to each other. They're sending information to other countries. And they're all dialed in all day long watching TikTok videos. And it's mis massively misleading. Because number one, there's no timestamp on any of these TikTok videos unless you dig for it. They're 15, 20 second, even a minute or two long videos. You can't get enough context in a 15 or 30 second video to give you any kind of a any kind of an informed decision on anything. But look at how much influence it has on the younger population. They're working against and they're working on their emotions. All of that's happening real time. So I don't know why the hell you would put TikTok on your phone. There's so many variables about TikTok that are just diametrically opposed to living a normal life. But, And that's the other thing is I'm seeing a lot of people walk away from social media platforms in total. And I think it's interesting to hear people say I've completely walked away from Facebook. I know a lot of people are still on Facebook, but I've seen a lot of people walk away from Facebook. And I've seen a lot of people starting to walk away from Instagram too. And if you go out to Instagram, Instagram and Snapchat are two very interesting platforms because they drove groupthink and they drove um, homogeny across an entire generation. I mean, look, if you have a teenager, somewhere between 17 or even mid-20s, go look at their Instagram. Go look at their friend's Instagram. Then look at everybody who's linked to them. You're going to see the same pictures, the same poses, the same stupid cap, you know, um, taglines. It's, it's bred an entire generation that's more interested in creating a persona than they are in living real life. And that in and of itself is dangerous. But when you add to it the TikTok instant gratification and the amount of misinformation that's in TikTok, it is very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Because people run down the road and believe that these 15-second videos are true, and most of it's BS. And it's pervasive in the younger generations. And it's, it's a highly effective information campaign because you have very targeted and very specific applications for different age groups to draw them in. Then you have very, very specific <clears throat> cultural norms within each one of those applications to draw people in just to play. I mean, let's go back a few years to when Snapchat came out, okay? When Snapchat came out, it was, I mean, they could they should have called it nude chat is what they should have called it because the whole premise of the entire 
application was, well, these, these videos only last 10 or 15 seconds because you can set a timer and then they go away. Uh-huh. I mean, every frat kid in the world was like, yeah, baby, 10 second videos, right? <clears throat> it created an entire culture of kids that literally spent their whole day photographing themselves. And I want you to think about this from the perspective of the intelligence services. If you have a bunch of very, very impressionable teenagers that are now sexualized and they're taking pictures of themselves, which means they're normalizing the fact that they're posting their entire life, including their nude bodies on the internet, which never goes away across a service that's supposedly safe and supposedly secure, but it's really not because those pictures, those videos, they all hit a server. They're all stored on a server. And then they're served up to the endpoint. It's not a point-to-point -point solution. Are you starting to see the, the bigger picture here? And then when you add Instagram to that, Instagram, and this is how, this is how kids were doing it. They would have a Snapchat account for their boyfriends and their and the guys that they wanted to see or the girls they wanted to see. Then they had a persona on Instagram, which was all about the social narrative within their little sphere of influence. And then you had Facebook. Facebook was your family, your friends. Instagram was all about you. Snapchat was all about sex. Are you starting to see the bigger picture of how insidious these social media platforms are and why? TikTok is so insidious because TikTok is all of that in one. And then when you add to the fact that Elon Musk is trying to build WeChat right here in the U.S. and Twitter, you have a very dangerous recipe for a lot of different, a lot of different age groups being completely manipulated by social media. And I watch this shit real time. I watched how insidious Snapchat was. And when it came out, kids were immersed in it. And they were immersed in building these personas on Instagram. Where where do you think all of these kids asking, you know, asking uh, another kid to go to a dance or to go to prom was this massive production? That came from Instagram. Like kids showing up on fire trucks or you know, stopping an entire high school football game to hold up a sign so they can ask their girlfriend out. And it was one-upsmanship. And it was it was done on purpose. It was a it was an information operation that was done to drive big up or out. Literally. And and I think it was a test bed for what we're seeing now, because we're seeing social media being used to push kids into getting this trans and the, the trans surgery. And again, because of Instagram, because of Snapchat, back in 2013, 2014, what was the battle cry back then? I'm bisexual. I'm bisexual. I'm bisexual. That was all over social media from 13 to 28 to 30. You were seeing I'm bisexual. And then it was vegetarian. Then it was I'm a vegan. Now it's I'm gay. Now I'm trans. Now I've done the surgery, the vaccine passports. Are you starting to see the trend? That's why these things are so insidious. But TikTok's the worst of all of them. 
because it's the group think of stupid and they're harvesting your data. It's it's a smorgasbord for intelligence intelligence apparatus. Smorgasbord. And people are just walking right into it. All of this stuff is insidious. And it shows you graphically that this color revolution has been highly effective and targeted at the youth. And they, they are highly effective at it. So it's good to see people disconnecting from it finally, but it might be too little too late. And why it matters right now is that social media, legacy social media, was the other hook they had into the, the population. If we can unhook a lot of people from Facebook and drive it into unprofitability before Meta turns into this big, um, you know, basically the, the, the matrix where people are plugged in with virtual goggles, then the, the, you, they won't have the hooks in us. But I'm afraid it's probably too late. Those, those platforms will be have, have to be taken down. And let's be perfectly clear, Facebook, Google, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, all created by the intelligence agencies, all of them, funded by DARPA, funded by the intelligence agencies, including Signal. Signal was created and paid for by the CIA. Take that in. Created and paid for by the CIA. All of these platforms were used to collect on American citizens, every single one of them. And look at how much time people spend building online personas. It's more important than their actual life, especially for a kid. That's why you see people doing TikTok videos all over the place, because the persona is more important than real life. If we really want to break away from the matrix, we have to break kids away from social media. That's the most insidious part of all of this. We've gotten away from mainstream media. Check one block. We were successful at that. People trying to question the narratives. But now the rubber has to meet the road. We have to break away from social media so people aren't buying into the bullshit narratives that are put out. Let me say that right. The bullshit narratives. By the way, I have a bunch of 20-somethings in, my, in the next room making noise. So if you're hearing voices, that's what it is. All that matters because we're seeing a shift right now. And to maintain the cultural narrative, to maintain the shift away from the elite and the establishment controlled systems, the, the key to all of this is going to be pulling away from social media, especially legacy social media. That's going to be the most critical step we take next. And mass noncompliance. I know, look. I got Proton Mail. It's email. I don't put anything in email that I should say anymore. I don't put anything in email that I am worried about. I don't put account numbers in there. I don't put social security numbers in email. I don't put any kind of personal information in there that isn't already public. Anything that's private doesn't go in email, not even secure email. And Proton Mail is Proton Mail. Gmail is the CIA. 
Yahoo is Yahoo. I, I have never used it. I shouldn't say I never used it. I've never used it for very long. I don't use anything. I have I have Microsoft Exchange for for my business. And I probably still have a couple of Gmail accounts that I just get all the uh, spamware and adware to. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't put anything in email that uh, I have to worry about. And I I am I've been that way for a very very long time, ten plus years. So, and Willie, you're you know you're one of the few. Now your challenge is to go out and make sure you get as many people off of social media as possible. This is, folks, this is why I talk about make a human connection. This is exactly why. Because a human connection, we've lost the art of socialization as a country. I would say as a planet, because of the influence of social media. We've moved everything online. I mean, look at all these snowflakes that are publishing these wildly inappropriate videos and challenging people to this or that online because they know they're never going to show up to their house. But I can tell you that when you make a human connection, all that washes off because you're face to face. You can read their body language. You can, you can hear the inflection in their voice. You can see the look on their face and you can tell that most of them are completely full of shit. And the more people we draw off of social media, the better off the country's going to be. And that creates the challenge of how to be, how do we communicate? We'll talk about that on Wednesday too, because there's a whole, there's a whole conversation around gear, community and conversation. We talked the threat. We've talked about, you know, bug in or bug out. Now we're going to talk about how do we reconstitute? What, what stuff should we have on hand? How do we operate in this environment? We'll talk through all that. That's that, at least that's in the next the next cycle of this, because there's a lot of pieces to it. But the reason why I'm harping on social media and I'm harping on narratives right now is that you're seeing the extremes of narratives being pushed right in your face. And the key to all of this and the reason why I'm talking about it is to take the emotion out of it. I mean, you see how emotional I get when I talk about the vaccine. That that vaccine has killed three people I really cared about. And I know probably one in 10 of you or probably two in 10 of you has somebody you directly know that has died or been seriously injured by these vaccines. That draws an emotional response from me. Most of the narratives and the BS out there, that doesn't that doesn't drive an emotional response because I disconnect from that. I disconnect from the narrative they're trying to push and I look at it and say, what are they trying to tell me? I do that with TV shows. I do that with movies. I do that with print. I do that with everything now. Like I've said many times, bears repeating, assume everything you see and hear and read is bullshit and work your way back towards the truth. It's not negotiable because everything you see right now is fiction. Everything. Right down to, there was a question this morning about is Lloyd Austin alive? I honestly don't know. I think the guy's fucking dead. And I think it's weekend at Bernie's at the Pentagon right now. But I don't know. Because everything we've seen up to this point has been BS. So until somebody proves to me the guy's alive, I think he's dead. So all of those things are why I'm saying 
disconnect from the emotion of what you're seeing and what you're hearing, and then you'll be able to operate in a very, very coherent fashion. And social media in and of itself is designed to drive the emotional side of you so they can manipulate you into doing and changing your mode of behavior. And I was highlighting the behavioral changes just in kids from two platforms that have highly sexualized kids. Snapchat is highly sexualized kids. It's amazing. It's absolutely stunning how sexualized kids are at a younger age now. Stunning. And they're doing that to manipulate them on this sex and trans agenda. They're not manipulating them for anything. And and I've and it literally, if you go back to 2013, 2014, you will see how they have brought people along with this, this long-term influencing operation. That's what it is. It's an influencing operation that's been built up over the last decade to get people to accept these narratives. That's why I'm talking about it. That's why it's important. That's why social media is so toxic. I mean, I haven't been on Facebook in probably 15 years. I wasn't on Twitter at all. And when I was on Twitter, it was just flaming people because people are so incredibly stupid. But that's how powerful these platforms are. That's why that has to be the next phase of the operation is to get people off of those platforms and to ignore legacy social media in total so that we can recapture the visceral part of our society and recapture the visceral part of community. That's the next agenda as we go through this. Because the other part of that is when you figure out the visceral part of your community, you're going to figure out who belongs there and who doesn't belong there. And you're not going to accept normalization of a lot of these things that they've pushed on us and the, the generations after us that we've accepted. And it furthers the agenda of disconnecting from the norms that the entire elite have used for generations to manipulate us. Tons of that. So if you hear me say anything tonight, the next part of the agenda before the before the event or whatever you want to call it, the collapse, is to disconnect as young as possible from social media and reestablish a visceral sense of community. That is going to be probably the one thing that keeps people alive is knowing who around them is safe and who isn't. And right now you don't know that, not even at a restaurant, unless you know everybody in the restaurant, I guarantee you, you don't know who's safe. And I'll give you a, for instance, there are several restaurants in this, in this city alone that the cartels frequent, that the criminal elements frequent and you don't know you you can you can tell some of them but you can't tell all of them and the only way i know about two or three of them is because i've had visceral conversations with people that have told me unequivocally because they're either in law enforcement or they're you know they're familiar with the neighborhood 
this is one of those places you don't want to go because you never know who is there that's safe and who that who's there that's nefarious and you don't want to be caught in the middle of a gang war very true very very true so our next step is to restore the community and start restoring interaction and building community-based organizations and groups. Oh, wow. Boy, an hour goes quick, especially when you got a lot of stuff to talk through. So we'll, I'll be back Wednesday. Uh, I will, uh, if I get um, Terrence Pop scheduled for Wednesday show. Oh, by the way, I've asked Alex Craner to be on the show. Uh, on the round table. It's pretty late for him. So if you see me adjust the time and the day of the round table, it's so I'm accommodating Alex Craner's schedule. I'm trying to get Tom Luongo to come on as well and do the round table and do a special two hour round table with those guys in Matt Bracken because I think there is a, there's some synergy there as well. Those guys are incredibly smart, by the way. So I, I, I fingers crossed I can get that sorted by the, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But I've uh, extended the, and I'd like to get Michael Yon to come on too, if he can break away from his schedule, because he would be fantastic on the round table. That guy's a machine, man. God, I love that guy. Man, it's a machine. Anyway, we'll be back. Well, I'll be back Wednesday. Uh, it'll be a four o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Arizona racist time and seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock mountain for the, for the two, the keeper will give me of that. God bless everyone. Have a good night. One team, one fight. God bless.